Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of having a conversation with an intermediate artist uh, trained in all things UI and UX design with a passion for equitable, accessible design. Uh, she teaches time-based media at Anne Arundel Community College. Please welcome Shannon Delavuck. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, I think I think we have I think we have a mutual friend here. I think we have a chef and in, in that's that we're friends with. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And um, so it's great to meet you. And I hope your your day is going well. Um, so I want to start off with this. Uh, for those listening who who don't know you, could you introduce yourself and really what got you into art and design? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I would say that. Um, Let's kind of, we'll kind of go a little bit further back sure. into the college days. Uh, so I'm a first generation college student. And for me, that kind of just meant that I got to do a lot of exploration because I didn't really have to follow in any kind of footsteps. And uh, I went to a liberal arts college, McDaniel College. It was really small. Uh, and so because of that, I was able to kind of try all the things. Uh, I remember taking my first art class and being extremely challenged. Like it was really hard. It was super hard uh, to just think on the fly or try to replicate what I see or come up with these creative ideas. And, uh, you know, I really loved history and, and really got into uh, a lot of the different courses that I, that I was taking there. So um, what I ended up doing by my junior year, like start of junior year, is I decided to make art my major. So I had taken a lot of courses in communications and thought that I would be like a broadcaster, like on the news. And so because I had all these credits already established, I decided to make it a fine art and then art history double major mm. and then a writing minor, um, just because a lot of those communications classes carried over. Right. Uh, so for me, because I had that small liberal arts college background, I was able to do things like, you know, uh, help create a, an art history honor society on campus and uh, just do a lot of things because it was a small school. Uh, I got involved in the art club. Um, and then another thing that is very memorable of my, my college days was I was heavily involved with the Black Student Union. So I was actually um, on the executive board and all of my girlfriends, like my best friends from college still are like my best friends to this day. So I really like, there's so many things about that time in my life that really, uh, I think, made the impression for who I am today. Uh, and so right out of the gate going to college, I took a graduate course. Like I was, it was my senior week for undergrad and I was taking my first graduate course at George Washington. So hopped on a, a train, went down to the Hirshhorn Museum, was taking a class um, and, you know, just went straight to graduate school. Stayed in D.C. for several years. I was a teaching artist, so working at many really amazing nonprofits like Project Create, uh, Arlington Art Center, uh, so many that were just kind of sprinkled throughout the city, uh, teaching for GW, um, and just trying to get my footing for what I wanted to do next. And stayed in D.C. for about five years and then came back to Baltimore and then went back to graduate school. So uh, then I got my second um, MFA from UMBC. Uh, so that's what sort of brought me back to the city. And that's uh, why I'm back here. And so glad to keep calling it home. 
Thank you. Thank you for uh, walking us through that. Um, a lot of education there. I love hearing it. It's just like, yeah, you know, I was, I was just going to dabble in a little bit of this, some art history, a little writing, and then sure, more, more. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so th- now this is a this is a weighty kind of next question. Uh, do you, from, from your vantage point, and in, 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 I, I know there's kind of like the, the, the data, the design side of it, do you think human creativity matters? If so, why? I think that, uh, I think human creativity matters, but I think that what matters is that humans realize that they're creative. I think most of us like put this like label on ourselves or we sort of say, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist or, um, that's challenging or, you know, I don't have a creative eye. I think a lot of people say that, but then when you really sit down and talk with people, like you've realized in so many really intricate, um, and, and beautiful ways that they, that they really are creative. Um, so to me, I think creativity matters because it means that you get to tap into this part of you that just, I don't know, there's like a different way of thinking about what creativity is. And so rather than putting like these hard parameters on it or like telling yourself that you're not, I think just releasing that. And even when I teach, I always tell my students who say, oh, I'm not an artist or I don't know how to draw. I always make them say yet. So if they're going to start a sentence with, but I'm not an artist and be like, yet, you know, you're getting there by the end of the semester, you will be able to say that you are. Uh, And so I think that that's a mind shift. I think it helps people to frame what they're attempting so that they can at the end of it say, oh, actually, like that's, you know, that does mean that I have like this creativity side to me. Uh, Yeah. So that's what I would say. Thank you. Um, and I, I should have I should have asked this earlier, but I'll ask it now. Um, and we can make this either fun or we can go straight to the book because you know, you know, scholar and and kind of like you know, little, 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 eh, you know. Uh, so let's see. Um, you could do this either straight up or you can make it just weird. Uh, what is an intermediate artist, um, and what is time based media? Yeah, I think those are those are great questions. One because I think that it kind of sounds like uh, this thing that's out of this world, right? Like intermedia galacticness. Ah. You know, like you could add so many cool things at the end of that, and it really does sound something like out of this world. Um, but so there's this whole tangent that we can go into about uh, like where intermedia, the term, uh, came from, and when we were changing the name actually for the program from intermedia digital arts, it was it was always the IMDA program, mm-hmm. but I think it meant something else and now imaging and digital arts, I believe. Uh, but so Alan Capro is this artist that's sort of uh, termed with coining that intermedia. But for me, what I think, uh, when I think about time-based media, when I think about intermedia, I really just think about the different mediums that an artist uses to communicate what it is that they're trying to say. Uh, Meaning that I don't have to sort of put this label on myself, like, oh, I'm a painter, I'm a sculptor. By virtue of just tapping into all the different media that's around me, including uh, like a, a video, an audio piece, performance art, 
dance, poetry. Like there's so many different forms of, of art that a person can use to create and tell their story. So that's really what I love about this idea of, of the inner media. And then for time-based media, I look at that of, as anything that really needs time in order for it to then to, to be a thing. So for us, we think about it as like a video piece, an audio piece, something that has like a, a start point and an end point. Uh, and, and typically when you're teaching that, they, they kind of do it in segments. So like you would first learn uh, like a 2D design so that you can really learn your foundations and principles of design. And then you would do something like a photography class. Then you would do something that's sort of like building on those photography skills with maybe some three dimensional uh, and then maybe like a web component. And then you're now getting into what we call like time-based where you're starting to put things together in a moving image way. Yeah. Uh, so there's like, there's really schools of thought for how all that kind of shakes down and different institutions and colleges sort of will take that and interpret it because some schools will have the these sorts of classes live within their art program, but then some of them have it as its own entity. Maybe it's a film program, maybe it's falling under the communications. So, you know, it really is up to the, to the college institution to decide how they make sense of that. No, that, that makes a lot of, thank you for, for explaining that for us, for us noobs out here. I mean, it was like, yeah, so what's in a media? It's like, well, (laughs) can you, can you fall back? Um, so let's discuss education a little bit more. Um, and now again, this is this is kind of a, a goofy question, but I'll still ask it. Uh, what are what are the benefits of um, arts and design education? And um, it's interesting learning how like an artist, a person who's like a working artist and also an educator, like how do you apply like what you're learning in your day to day, like in your practice, to what you're teaching in the classroom? Right. So I I will say, um, like in intro, you sort of mentioned that, um, you know, I was teaching for Anne Arundel Community College. uh, And then after I was teaching at Anne Arundel, I started teaching for Goucher. And through Goucher, I teach for the Goucher Prison Education Partnership. So it's their GPEP program. And really, that is, uh, it's a Goucher campus in Jessup at the men's and women's institutions. Due to FERPA, I can't get into the specifics on, uh, you know, the the students or any of the things related uh, specifically there. But I can just say overall, like if we're just talking broadly about me as an educator or the things that I bring to the classroom or how I sort of take what I do in my day job and and bring it in, because I think that that applies. Uh, Really what I, whatever I start teaching, like (laughs) a class, first and foremost, when, especially if I get to create a syllabus, because it's really fun for me. And I had to do that uh, for the last two uh, classes that I taught for GPEP. I think about like, I, how, why would I want to take this class? So like, what are the things that like, I need to walk away as a student in this class, having learned, like, what are the things that I need to relate back to the objectives that obviously meet like the, the standards for the college, but ultimately thinking about the creation of the assignments, the artists they get to study, all the things that I think would make it well-rounded. You know, those are the things that I'm really looking into and and thinking about not just for, for skills, because I think that's top of mind always, but also like 
what are some things socially that we can bring into the work? Who are the artists that we can start to think about and, and bring into to start discussions? Uh, so I, I, you know, I think about reading assignments. I think about like assignments that might get annoying, but are ultimately going to teach them a lot about repetition. So like keeping a journal for sketching ideas, for sketching throughout the course, having like weekly assignments that happen every single week for that repetition and structure, because a lot of that ties into your work life, right? Like every day when you go to work, like there are things you're going to have to do. It's going to be a part of a routine and it's going to stick. So, you know, try thinking about skill building, thinking about applying it to the real world, and then thinking about those things that can relate back to, you know, the, the, the working life, like the, yeah. what are, you know, I, and it's funny because when I was looking at this past semester of work and thinking about those students who sort of start with, I'm not an artist or I can't draw or X, Y, Z, you know, so it was amazing because I felt like by the end of it, all of them could change their tone to like adding that, to add the yet midway through and then define it at the end and say, I am, you know, yeah. I am an artist. I can draw. Um, those are the things that I really look forward to as an educator. Yeah, um, it, it's it's great to see it. it. It's great to to learn more about that because um, you just want to see like, you know, like the the notion. I I go back to one of the things you said um, about building out a syllabus uh, <laughs> or curriculum. Um, I I've, I've taught a few people in like this this lane I'm I'm doing in in terms of uh, coaching people and doing podcast classes. And I was like, I'm gonna make this as weird as possible. It's like, yeah, I want you to stand and yell. That's 101. It's like, this is. Am I paying for this? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those things. But I definitely, you see that same excitement, and then ultimately, in doing something that's that's really good or what have you. I think service is what I'm hearing in in your background as well. And that's that's great to hear. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of challenges. I'm not going to say that I think that we have it all figured out when it comes to education. As I mentioned, I'm a first generation, which means what? I have a ton of student loans. They like could buy my house, you know? So I think that there are things that we're still needing to uh, address in terms of higher education. But I think taking all of that into consideration and when someone is really thinking the long term of what they want to do and, and how they can do it. Now I have such a different perspective having lived the life. And, yeah. and I, I now have that as some guidance that I could provide to students. And even when I was teaching on the community college level, right? Like, I think that's a beautiful thing that there's these wonderful community colleges that have such a rigorous program that provides such really like in-depth, strong, very transferable credit. So you take those courses, you know, you can get into your four-year institution of choice and it alleviates some of these issues around student loans and around student debt. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of options and students are taking all that into consideration with the pandemic and everything else that's happened to us, right? You have to yeah. keep those options open. Yeah. And I think I saw something earlier about um, Morgan starting an initiative for, for people who've dropped out or have you, basically that kind of like second chance. And I think the the idea going back to you touched on with the pandemic, I think it revises these things. The system that we had wasn't working for people. Like I'm, I'm first generation as well. And 
really you didn't come out with a lot of student loans or in, well, no student loans, really. But, you know, having grants and things of that nature. But I recognize that I'm in the uh, minority in that area. And a lot of people have come out with stuff. And if you look at like inflation now and uh, I saw I was reading a stat earlier that said, oh, if you got a pay raise, you actually took a pay cut because inflation yeah. is past the, the the raises that we're getting. So ultimately, uh, you're, you're coming out with all of these, this, this debt and all of this stuff. And you're like, Oh, I want to pursue, you know, art and so on, or I want to do this. And it's like, I'm, I'm a barista now. I, <laughs> I, I'm doing something else that may get me away from, from that passion because of the way things have been set up. And I think that there are movements towards kind of shifting it outside of the education side of it, but just the, 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 the administrative side of things. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, and I, honestly, that kind of goes into a little bit of where we were talking about with what I was doing in school, right? And then how I ended up where I'm at. And, and so teaching, I, this is sort of the way that I can make sense of it really is that like art and uh, like design and, and that sort of bucket are my nature, but uh, teaching and mentorship are my nurture. So I always feel like there's going to be a part of me, no matter what I'm doing in my life, where I'm going to in, in whatever field I end up in or, uh, whatever it is, there is always going to be this need to, to hit that nurture part, that nurture piece for me. And so, you know, I, that, that's why I really like adjunct work because it allows me to, to get involved, um, on that level in, in terms of teaching. But right now, uh, sort of also, as you mentioned in the beginning, I sort of do all of these like UX, UI things and product design and all the different, you know, user experience. There's all these words around it. But what I love about that and for any of your for your listeners who might be new to that, because I think that it's, you know, it's sometimes new for for folks. They're not sure what that means. But I would say one of the things that I have found to be so fruitful of this field is that when someone comes from a completely different background into this work. So anthropologists, oh man, you bring such a beautiful lens to this work. (laughs) So there are so many different fields who really could easily transition into user experience, user research, because it takes all of the hats. It takes someone with a really like empathetic, thoughtful, uh, you're not so much worried about the way some, you you really are kind of worried about the way something looks, but not because of it, it has to be beautiful and it has to, you know, do all of these things and have poppy colors and all that stuff will come into play. But really what you're doing is how is the user experiencing this? Mm -hmm. And is it, does it create challenges? Is it problematic? Does it, are they not getting to the CTA clearly? Are they not able to do the thing they're supposed to do? Is it not intuitive? And I think that that just takes someone who really is objective and can think about something and not get their feelings hurt. Sometimes designers, <laughs> I think by nature, depending on which school you went to, like if you went through rigorous critique modes, you know what that looks like. So you're yeah. used to people looking judging, giving feedback, all of it. Right. So that that's really this, but not so much about like, uh, no start over, you, you know, your, your design isn't working. Like it's more like, no, the user actually can't navigate this page properly. And here's why. And, and this is what the user test shows. So 
So what I'm currently doing, I'm a, a contractor for Fearless. Mm-hmm. They're really smart, really well. I mean, everything, all of the like bells and whistles, we can just shake it off uh, <laughs> to um, to that company and the CEO and the amazing team and, and folks behind it. But really what I get to do every day is, well, I, I work for a really cool company, but I'm a contractor, which means that while I work for that company, I'm actually working for the federal government. So I work for login.gov um, mm-hmm. and I'm on a partnerships team. So I get to really uh, insert myself as like sort of this knowledge base for partner agencies. Yeah. Uh, and if you would have asked me, Rob, if you would have said, where are you going to be? You know, <laughs> two years ago, if you would have said, where are you going to be in two years? <laughs> I don't know that I would have said this, you know, but I think, I think what it shows is that if you are, are are really just trying to think about critically, critically think about, I have this degree or I have this interest, or I have these things that I've been doing in, in work. Um, but I'm looking for something new. I'm looking to shake it up. Like this field is growing. It's vast. There are so many ways and opportunities, uh, to get involved. And, and the thing about fearless is they really want Baltimore. Like they, they really want the city and all of the city, um, to, to, to come and, and work for them or intern with them. And it's such a great, great software company. So, um, yeah, that's sort of like trying to like take it back from, Hey, you have like this crazy uh, art, art history writing thing going on. <laughs> what are you doing with it now? No, that's that's really cool. I, I I'm just wrapping up a um, a cohort where we're designing websites and things of that nature. So definitely the uh, review of the folks in the cohort and. Um, that that process, uh, I was like, nah, I'm not really ready to have my my thing reviewed or what have you. It's like uh, I'm fine, you know. I'm like, good, um, <laughs> but you know, at a later stage, it's like I, I think for for me, like design is not necessarily my my forte or what have you. My I, I'm I'm big picture in some ways, so I'm just like, all right, this is what I wanted to do. Well, who are the fingers? You know, who who are, who's doing this the stuff? And it's like, I have some ideas, but that's kind of it. But as far as getting there in the weeds, I'd rather bring in someone who really gets it. And it's like, how, how can, like having this, like a, a call to action, like getting that, having that there. But it's like, what is a person looking for? How quickly do they want to get it? And the closest thing that I did um, to that was this podcast was a part of a podcast uh, um, network, right? And you know, when you're a solopreneur, when you're a very small micro business, you're like, I got to save as much money as possible. So all the podcasts were under one feed. And I was mm-hmm. like, the user, you know, getting feedback, the user experiences, I can't find the stuff that I want to find. So I was like, let's just split them out and look for a solution that actually does that versus sticking with what I know and then learning that new solution which turns out to be like the best situation right now because I now have separate feeds and the cost price point is the same as what I want it to be. So taking into account that user experience and that, you know, like, yeah, I can't find episodes. You're talking about a lot of dick jokes in this one. Can we, can we get to the art one? Where's the art podcast? <laughs> so being able to kind of, you know, having diverse interests, but being able to separate those things and silo those in a way based on feedback from the users. Yeah. And, and, and then you're meeting them where, where they are and you're giving them what they need. And that's, that's like the perfect, (laughs) 
That's what you want, right? You want them to be yeah. able to find that that podcast. You want them to be able to search it and and find the tags or uh, whatever, but not get bogged down because there's so much going on. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And to truly be, you know, in, in approaching it that way, really being able to look at the analytics and have like the, 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 the feedback, the data-driven feedback is really, you know, showing like, oh no, this was the best thing to do. And yeah. it was a hassle to go in there and do everything kind of manually once I migrated things over, but it's just like rewarding and informed that this, you know, effort was, was, was worthwhile. So I got, um, I got a couple more questions for you, real questions, before we get to the fake questions. Uh, so this one I have for you. Um, if you could have dinner with any three artists, who would you choose? Why would you choose them? What would you eat? Okay. Uh, so I thought about this one because I was like, uh, I mean, I want to have dinner with all the artists and I want to eat all of the things. Also, shout um, out to the 92Q shirt. I see that. I just noticed it. Shout out okay. to you. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is what happens when you move and you find the like gems, you know? Um, yeah. So I actually kind of thought about it in terms of like who I would want to meet with and then like the like why behind it. But so Kara Walker is just like one of my favorite artists ever. I always include her so that my students can learn about her work and then also create works uh, when we're learning about positive and negative space, when we're learning about contrast, like she's just, she taps into so many things, but then from like a really social, like political, uh, just like high, I, I don't know any other artist that you could just insert to hit all those notes. And then also just in your face, give you something that will make a student just stop, really just stop mid sentence and be like, like need to take it in. And yeah. I think what ends up happening is it, it creates this wonderful dialogue where like folks are actually really talking about serious things, but able to relate it back to her work and then able to relate it back to the reading and then to their own assignment. So I use her for multiple classes um, and, and it's always, it always turns out well. So I feel like there's this beautiful opportunity to just like chat with her about that. And then just to like, thank her. <laughs> like that's, that's the purpose of the dinner to just say thank you. Um, so I didn't really think about what I would eat, but I would just let her pick the meal. I feel like she would just know she would just get it. Uh, rear crit dear his work. He has this work called pad Thai, where literally what he did is he just serves pad Thai in a gallery. And it's about this experience. So like, that's of course what I'm going to have is the pad Thai. <laughs> but I also just love that as a way of, of transforming what a gallery can be and not thinking about it as like this, the, you know, artists and the viewer and everyone's kind of separated and there's a gallery component and it kind of gets a little bit in the weeds in terms of the hierarchy. And what I, what I love about this is it's just, it's making a community, like it builds community. And that's one of the things that I really admire about his work. And it's something that I was thinking about with some of the work that I was doing throughout grad school. So really, I just, I, I love this idea. And it kind of goes back to like all of that, the happenings and, and the stuff that kind of came out of those conversations when talking about Alan Capro and like all, all the stuff related to the intermediate stuff. So I just think I, I really just admire him for the work that he's doing. So him, and then Sarah Poli, she's actually, uh, she's a document. Well, not really documentary. I guess this, this work in particular is a documentary. It's called the stories we tell. And the very first time that I watched it, I just cried. Like, it's just, it's, 
poignant. It's beautiful. It's well done. And she's just trying to unravel and tell you about the story of her real, of her father. Like, but she has her father who raised her like narrate it. So it's like about uncovering that her father isn't the man who raised her and is in fact this other man. And then it goes throughout all of her siblings and her mother has passed away from cancer. So like, she's kind of like telling you all about her, like very vulnerably. Like, I mean, she's just throwing it all out there. Um, and, and it's, it just takes you like a second to just, because it kind of hits you. Um, but what I love about it is that in, in so many ways, right? Like I can't relate necessarily to her story, but I felt like I could relate. <laughs> and, and so I think that's what art, when it's done well, it does that. Like you can just like identify so much with what you've just taken in. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, I just, I want to chat with her about that because it was just so beautiful. And when I shared it with my students, like so many of them, um, it, it really, it hit with them. So yeah, another thank you one, I guess. <laughs> No, nah, I mean, that's that's very well thought out. Um, I'm like, yeah, I want to have a guy that did, you know, like the Snoopy dog, like the iceberg T-shirts. Um, <laughs> it, it's just like just people you don't know. It's like one of the things my, my, my girl says. She was like, you know, the guy that did the thing. It's like, <laughs> can you name a person? Can you say any name? George? No? Any name. Any name. Yeah. Just any name. Uh, uh. All right. So this is the last real question I got before I get to those rapid fire ones. Uh Share, and, and I think you touched on it, but it's really kind of hammered the, the point home. Uh, share one of the unique selling points of your job. Like, you know, and your job is multi-tiered, multi-factored, almost like authentication. Uh, what, what, <laughs> what, what's the what's the perk that if you had one perk that comes to like your work overall, the whole body of what you what you do, what is that yeah. one perk that sticks out for you? Um, I, I mean, I guess just all encompassing is that it just it teaches me. Like, I think no matter what I'm doing, whether I am teaching or whether I am in like my, uh, like UX hat day job, like I learn all the time. I learn from my students. I learn from my users. I learn from my coworkers. And I, it's just so valuable because if you weren't really learning, then I feel like you get bored. And when you get bored, you know, things go stale. So, um, I will say it's just, it, there's so much happening. It's always evolving. Um, and that's, that's like the biggest perk for me. That's, that's great. I'm on the same page. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you go to interviews and things. So you see like a person that does a lot of different things, you know, how do you play? I was like, look, give me stuff that I can't do and I'm going to figure out a way to do it, you know? And I fashioned what I do because I'm a data analyst in my day job. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a problem solver. It's like, just give me problems. And I'm like, I'm always doing something new. It's like, oh, why doesn't this work? Let me figure that out. And uh, now my boss is like, look, I got a puzzle for you. I got a ball of yarn for you to play with. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like one of your cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, um, I want to I go into my rapid fire questions. These are all over the place, but they're fun. Okay. They're not scary. People say they're scary. They're not scary. All right, first one. This is a ridiculous question. I just added it. Uh, if coffee was illegal, what would the street name be? Oh, if coffee was illegal, what should it be? Um, That's like my favorite question now, by the way. Oh, yeah, this one is good. I feel like it should be easier than this. Um, if coffee, 
Yeah, it's the buzz. I'm getting the buzz. <laughs> it's the buzz. I really want to say crank, but that's already like a drug, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, it <laughs> is a Jason, <laughs> it's a Jason Statham movie as well. It's actually two Jason Statham movies. Because <laughs> it just feels like something that's like, it's a drank, but uh-huh. it's a coffee. And I feel like it's just like a prank because it like boosts you up. So that's good. I'm just going to go with that. And we're going to act like it doesn't exist. Also, this would be funny to add in it. Yeah, I'm about to get poured over. I'm like, oh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. That's stupid. <laughs> I'm getting that spro. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I'm not really done. I like puns. <laughs> so just so you know, uh, this this is a great one. Um, favorite mispronunciation of your name? Oh, gosh. Just one? Um, <laughs> I get everything under the sun. Um, I get a lot of Chanan. Chanan? I get Chanan a lot. And that's like usually the first attempt. Because it's Shannon. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I think it's because of the spelling. It just throws people off. So they're just like, it's not, they just don't think it, you know? They see the, all the letters and it just doesn't. I would probably do the same. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, mom. Chanan de la Vavuka. You, yeah. uh-huh. you said words that didn't make sense there. And I usually get Mr. too. I get a lot of Mr. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just all, I'm, I just identify with whatever's flowing at the, you know, just that's it. Yeah, I've got identified as multiple people before. It's like, oh, hey, you. It's like, oh, shit. I just, oh, really? All right, then cool. Roberts with an S. It's not great. Yeah. All uh, the Rob. <laughs> most useless uh, talent that you have. Oh, most useless talent? This might uh-huh. be a question out of Planet Terror, if you remember that Quentin Tarantino movie. It's like useless talent number 66 or whatever. Oh, I know. I can... Um... I, I can keep a lot of house plants alive. I think that's useful for the plants. <laughs> it's useful for the plants, but I mean, if you were to add it onto like a list of to-dos, True. it starts to really take, I mean, I have over 50. So then you're just like, you have to make a whole afternoon of, I mean, oh. I, prior, I just moved, as I mentioned, I prioritized my plants first. <laughs> you know, like things in boxes. No, I got to take the plants. I got my babies need their water and sunlight. Do you mind? Where's the pots? Where are the pots? Uh, if, okay, two, two left. Uh, describe a first world problem you have. Oof, man. These are actually kind of hard, aren't they? <laughs> I will say, because I work from home, when the Wi-Fi goes out, <laughs> it is such a first world problem, you know, because then you're just like, um, okay. I'm going to go try to reset the router. Okay. I'm going to go plug it into by a different window. Um, I'm just going to hop over to the coffee shop real quick. Yeah. I think there's an outage. It's like, it just creates chaos for no reason. It's like, it's just, it's just the Wi-Fi. It's funny. When I think of first world problems, I remember getting off of a flight and this has become part of conversation regularly. I just remember it was a flight I think to New Orleans and it was just like, you know, two white dude, bro types, they get off and they were like, the flight was an effing nightmare, man. And now whenever there's something that goes on that feel like it's a worst first world problem, that was a nightmare. It's like, huh, my coffee's too warm. That was a nightmare. Terrible. I made it here in one piece. Terrible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I got, I got from here to here in three hours. Mm -hmm. Nightmare. Lastly. Yeah. Um, 
If you could be any animal, what would it be? You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and um, <laughs> because uh, it's silly because I, I kind of want to be a cat so I can play with my cats. <laughs> um, but I also just want to be a bird so that I can just fly and just like go places and like just like. And I know, and the reason why that's funny is because like, obviously cats like go after birds. Um, but I feel like if you're a bird, like you just get to see it, you know, you just get to take it all in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just, I'm going to, sorry, sorry, little guy I can play with you as a human. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to say bird. I'm here for it. I want to be an alligator. An alligator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. I mean, I can't swim, so I could just kind of like float a little bit, but you know, it's just, that's my favorite animal. It's been my favorite animal for probably 30 years. Wow. And have you like held an alligator in real life, like gone to the places where you can hold them and stuff? No. Uh, the only distinction I've had, I, I've seen them several times and in, in, I guess in person, is it in person when you see alligator? In person. Um, but uh, I did see an albino alligator at like the New Orleans Zoo, which was insane. Yeah. Is it like it was it had his eyes closed when I got over there near it? It just actually opened the eyes open and looked directly at me. I was like, that was creepy. I I, just, I was like, I don't like the white alligators. <laughs> like regular alligators are great. Yeah. Okay. And so alligator over a crocodile, like crocodiles are sneaky. Here's the thing. Here's the hot take about crocodiles. Okay. okay. <laughs> There's a distinction. I need to know. There there is. There is. It's, it, I think it's something with a snout or what have you. It's like one snout is pointy, one's flat. Just okay. You know, alligators seem more accessible or what have you. And, you know, they get made to sausage on occasion. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's yeah. Alligator bites, right? Isn't yeah. that a thing? It's, it's, most, it's funny because it's mostly pork or chicken. It's just a little bit of gator in it. And so then they can call it that. Yep. Like rye right. whiskey. Because it's just a little bit of rye. Yep. It's the acceptable amount that if it's like that's at 25%, we can technically call it that. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause nobody wants a crocodile bite. No, who wants that? It's, it's a croc. Sorry. Done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm so with that being said, uh, thank you. It got really weird there with my croc take. Uh, but thank you. Uh, this was great. And I want to invite and one, one, thank you again, but two, I want to invite and encourage you to come, um, let us know where to find you, where to check out your work and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, for anyone who's just interested in learning more about any of the things you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just my name, Shannon, I think L Delabuck might be my profile, my full profile, but if you search for me, you'll find me. And then, uh, shannondesign.com is where you can see some of my design stuff. And then shannondelabuck.com is where you can see my fine art stuff that I have going on. So so there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Shannon Delavuck for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee telling you that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.